We're going to talk about the state of American evangelicalism today. It seems there's a lot of concern about the interaction between evangelicalism and social justice. We're going to spend the entire show on it on today's Corey Truax Show. This is the best thing, the best thing that could be happening. And I think you would agree the best thing is that it's happening to you and me. Well, maybe not the entire show, but I would not be surprised if we get to the end of the hour and it's all we've done because it's a big topic. So I will set that table for you and we'll get started in just a moment. My name is Corey Truax, helping secure the blessings of liberty since 1986. I'm also the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church in Greenville, South Carolina. And you can join us at Beachwood Church any given Sunday morning at 1030. We would certainly love to see you there. At first, I will admit I ignored the warnings I heard from some media commentators regarding the social justice movement inside evangelical Christianity. And I partly ignored it because it seemed hysterical. Some of the reactions came from the hysteria side, and sometimes it was just because the voices that were doing the criticism are not voices that I trust. However, someone not being of uh, someone that I trust doesn't mean they're wrong. Even if they've been wrong about a lot of other things, it doesn't mean they're wrong on this. And we should be intellectually curious enough, people, that when we hear a criticism, that we, not every criticism, but a lot of them, let's at least look into it. Let's at least see if there's anything there. And so if you have not heard, let me at least be very, um, I want to be honest and fair to those who have the criticism. And then I'm going to play for you, most of this show, I'm going to play for you clips from a guy that I like a lot, have a ton of respect for. Uh, a guy named Todd Friel from Wretched Radio. You can wretched wretched.org. I highly encourage seeking out and pursuing the material they're putting out there. Uh, they're excellent. Got an excellent operation down there in Atlanta, Georgia. The fear being put forth by some, or at least the warning being put forth by some in evangelicalism is that these two things are true. The Southern Baptist Convention and the Gospel Coalition, maybe some other places, but those two particular the Southern Baptist Commission and the Gospel Coalition, two organizations with which my church is aligned. We are a Southern Baptist Convention church. We give to the cooperative program of the Southern Baptist Convention. I go to the convention, the annual meeting every year. And the Gospel Coalition is a, a group of not just Baptists, I mean, it was Presbyterians and those that would sign on to a certain doctrinal statement, but in some kind of cooperation together, ostensibly on paper, to see the gospel of Jesus get to more places and have higher visibility. So that's the groups. That in those groups there is a there's something coming there's something of a liberalization that's happening. They're going liberal. They're not as theologically focused on getting the gospel to people, the the story of Jesus. And instead, what's replacing the focus on the gospel is social activism, specifically in the areas of racial reconciliation and the quote me too movement or hashtag me too moment, that thing. Uh, and generally just social activism. That's the, I think, as fair and as general as I can be to get us started on, that's the criticism. And that's coming from places like Janet Mefford. That's coming from, uh, I mean, I, I really even other shows on WLFJ that they seem to have this concern. And so instead of just dismissing that concern outright, I do want to address it because it is divisive. You know, one of the things that Todd Friel talks about here that we're going to play for you today is, if nothing else, we do know that this topic, 
what the church should be doing, what Christians should be doing in American culture in regards to where we are with race relations, uh, role of women in culture. This, this conversation is at least dividing the church, and that's not a good thing. And so, instead of looking at folks I consider to be brothers and sisters in the faith and say, hey, I, I think that you're off base with your criticism. I think you're misunderstanding some things. I think you're interpreting some things incorrectly. And just leaving it there, I do want to interact with the ideas and the specific criticisms. So, with that said, I'm going to let Todd Friel set us up here. This is from his show, just a, I think last week, where he talks about why he's disturbed by it and the significance of the social justice movement inside Christianity in the United States of America. Because it is my, as well as many other people's opinion, that what we are currently seeing shaping up is a gathering storm which has the potential to do more harm than, brace yourself for this, the emergent movement, the cessationism versus continuationism movement, charismatic gifts, seeker-sensitive movement, lordship-salvation controversy. Put all of those together in a package, put them on the left side of a scale, and then put social justice on the right side, and social justice outweighs them all combined. And that's quite the warning, then, from Todd Friel. So where we see that kind of warning, I want to at least address it seriously, specifically because it is Friel, someone I think we can trust. Uh, as just a really talented guy who's very rigorous theologically, very careful about his words, and where... He's really the reason I am willing to look into this with a lot of rigor because we rarely disagree. He's a voice that I trust. And so when he brings up this kind of warning, I, I want to spend some time on it. And this should then be for you a reason for you to care because while I know not everyone who listens to the show is a believer or a professing Christian, although it is the, the non-professing people that tend to contact me the most uh, I'm grateful for all of you that contact the show, but those are the, the non-believers are the ones that tend to reach out the most, and I'm appreciative for that. But if you are a believer, it is, a, of course, something you are concerned about. You are concerned about the health of the gospel and that gospel getting to the nations. And so if there is some kind of secular movement, secular philosophy, something outside the faith that is going to in any, in any way hinder or diminish the ability of the gospel to go out, then we do want to address that with one another. Another warning here from Friel I want to get to. I want you to hear the consequences that those that don't, I don't agree with them. I don't agree with Friel here. But I want you to hear the consequences of us getting this wrong. If we happen to be wrong, and social justice really is causing a problem inside evangelical Christianity, this is one of the big consequences. It's not going to linger for decades, I don't think. But I think that it'll at least linger through the next political cycle, but it's just going to destroy relationships and divide churches. This issue is so contentious. And that is the reason why I want to talk about it as well. I'm already seeing it. I'm already seeing the fabric of evangelical relationships, co cooperation between churches or Christian organizations that they've not separated, but you can feel the tension. I have heard from other people, pastors of churches, that this is starting to cause something. And what, what, you're, what you're seeing is there's some group of people, I think often 
egged on, urged on by what some things they're reading, they they see that there might be a uh, inside evangelicalism, something, some some kind of affection that's too friendly with a worldly idea. So the the worldly idea of how to reconcile the the ethnic groups. So that, that's something a Christian would want to see. They'd want to see reconciliation, but these folks are seeing it as going about it in a worldly way. Or just simply being distracted. That a church would sh- start doing more activism on any given social issue and not doing gospel work. And then maybe folks on my side looking at those people saying, well, you don't care enough about this issue. And then they both sides kind of resent each other. One side, fights, one side feels resented because you're saying they don't care about something important, and they really just want you know the, they want to be theologically sound. And the other side thinks these other folks just aren't aren't seeing what the church's role might be out in the culture, not doing something instead of the gospel, but doing something alongside of it. Uh, a consequence of 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 believing in Jesus is this kind of sanctification and wanting to be part of a solution in the context in which we find ourselves as American Christians. And so Friel is right. I've already seen it cause some division. And so as we get more specific here over time and have these discussions on the show, there's consequences to this. We want to be unified. Jesus said one of the ways the watching world will know your mind is how you love each other, that you would be in unity. And so if we have some ideas that are starting to separate us, then let's do this. I mean, the, to put more flesh on these bones, the conversations as I'm seeing them, ha- seeing them happen is, you Southern Baptists need to focus. You're losing your focus on the gospel and stop doing conferences about racial recon- stop doing conferences about racial reconciliation. Some of your leaders need to quit being so vague about women leadership in the church and just get back to the gospel. And then that side saying, well, you guys don't care about enough stuff. You're not you're not understanding the culture around you, and that's. Those are the arguments that are going to be divisive, and we need not let it divide us. Let's just be clear about what we believe and what we what our roles are, what the goals are, and see if we can keep this from splintering American Christianity. So with that said, uh, Friel actually asked a question of people like me who think that there is room inside of American evangelicalism to do both things. That we certainly, the gospel needs to always be the number one thing. By that, that means the the sanctification of the saints inside the church, Sunday morning, preaching sermons, expository, text-driven, text verse-by-verse, to see people become more like Jesus, but then also evangelism, training our people to evangelize, and then through our own missions, but also supporting monetarily, seeing the gospel go out to places that it has not been or where there's not a lot of Christians. So that's first and foremost. But why, and not but, and alongside that, we can do some other things it's, and, be, and be active in the culture around us as long as it doesn't cost us that number one important thing. So with that said, Friel had a very good question I want to play uh, for you from his show just a couple weeks ago, maybe a week ago. I want to ask, what do we want? All right, we've been asking the social justice movement side, what do you want? Reparations? Do you want to replace white leaders with black leaders based on skin color? Do you want your own state? That last one was just for funny, and he is a funny guy. So it's a fine question. If you're asking, hey, what's the goal of a Christian being involved in talking about racial reconciliation and race relations in the United States? 
do you want reparations? I say no. So specifically, my I would I would uh, argue with in love a Christian brother who said that's what that's what the church needs to be doing is working on getting reparations for formerly oppressed or currently oppressed peoples. No, uh, we're not we're not working on that. Uh, do we want to do we want to replace white leaders with black leaders for the sake of them being black leaders? No, I specifically would say no. That's not one of the goals. We where qualified and available. And where the Lord is called, we want to be inclusive. But no, that's not one of the set goals. Four goals, though, I'm seeing now that we're going to have to hit a break. And so I will let that be the teaser. When we come back, what is the goal for the Christian who wants to make sure we're focused on the gospel first, but also be involved in the culture and things like race relations and other cultural issues? What are we actually trying to accomplish? What do we want out of it? I will cover that when we come back on the Corey Truax Show. Welcome back into the Corey Act Show. Connect the show at your convenience on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Snapchat. Would love to talk with you there. You can also find the show on demand, iTunes, SoundCloud. You can also get the show at CoreyTruax.com. We are out on Anchor. Lots of places to listen to the podcast. It's always appreciated when you share the show as well. So I left you with this question for the conflict happening inside evangelicalism right now over whether or not... Christians should be involved in quote social justice and that term is loaded it's hard to have a it's hard to agree even on a definition but when a Christian wants to get involved with not just have seeing the gospel go out but also some some social activism I guess what do we actually want what are we trying to accomplish and one of the questions from one of the critics of the movement a guy I just I really like a lot uh, have a ton of respect for Todd Friel uh, radio host, wretched.org, if you want to get more from them. This question is, do you want reparations? I say no. Do you want, uh, when it comes to the racial side of things, do you want to see uh, d- more black faces need to replace white f- faces in leadership? And to that, I would say no, except where someone's been called and qualified and that person happens to be of a, a, a min- minority descent, then sure, that's fine. So the question, what do we want? I think it's this. I think a lot of us see that there is a a hindrance right now for the gospel for some people. In the American context, for certainly the unbelieving black person, I think they perceive, and I've had these conversations, perceive the white American church as not putting any kind of value on the experience of the the different way that at large, there's certainly exceptions all the way around this, but at large, or how black folks have lived, and some of the some of the residual effects of things like segregation, some of the residual effects of black families just start starting with less over time, their legacy wealth. Not to blame that on white people. There's not a corporate guilt. Just like I, just like the people who are super anti social justice, I stand with those folks. There is not corporate guilt for those things. I'm not a purveyor of white guilt, but it's this idea of I, I. Th- I think to get, to take down one of the walls to the gospel to a group, there needs to be some acknowledgement. Acknowledgement that yet our lives are just different. I do, I did just have it easier. That the statistics just show that even with a two-parent household, uh, if you grew up in a black family with two-parent household of the same income level my parents were, that just over time in my life, I'm going to earn more. 
Like that's just there's there's some advantages in the system, and the, and by the system I just mean culturally, and just an acknowledgement of that helps tear down a wall, and we want to see p- folks reconciled. And one of the steps of reconciliation, the tensions amongst groups coming down, is just ad- addressing that. Just saying, yeah, it exists. I'm not sorry because I didn't do it. I'm not. I'm, there's not guilt here. I'm just acknowledging that it's true, and so it's a wall we want to see come down. Not just amongst white and black believers, because that even not acknowledging that causes division amongst black and white believers. So at least for me, what's my goal? What do I want out of that kind of activism and involvement and talking about those issues? I'd like to see that wall come down, this encumbrance on people hearing the message that we offer as Christians, hearing the gospel, and also some of the disunity between black and white Christians. We we want to try to help that. At least that's what I do. I'm sure there are those that think like I do about, quote, social justice, this, this word that's so hard to define, that maybe they are, that's not their heart. Their heart might be something else. And where that happens, I'm going to call them out. But right now, where I have a bunch of people telling me that basically the SBC and TGC are going liberal, they might be falling into some kind of heresy or some kind of theological problem. I don't see that. I just think... They're, they're seeing problems that maybe some other folks aren't seeing and trying to solve those, and it's uncomfortable. Those are uncomfortable things to try to solve. Now, back to the Todd Field part. So in this episode where he went over it and challenged the ideas, not the people and the personalities, which was very classy of him, but challenged the ideas behind the social justice movement inside of Christianity, he went to Ephesians, did a great job of saying, you know, we, we really all should just be one in Christ, and... Of course, that's true. I don't argue with that. Some of the commentary after going through that part of Ephesians, I want to play for you and respond to. So here's a little bit more of Todd Friel. I've listened to sermons. They're they're tough to listen to, but I've been listening to sermons from MLK 50. If you don't know MLK 50, that was a conference that the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, that's Dr. Russell Moore's group from the Southern Baptist Convention, they had a conference called MLK 50, 50 years after, I believe, the assassination of MLK, where a lot of racial recon, recon, excuse me, racial reconciliation content was being produced. 50. The emphasis on black and white. I hear more black and white than unity in Christ. I, and I, it just makes me want to pull out my hair. This whole movement is bent on division. That part I don't agree with. I don't think that's true of the MLK 50 at all. I, I think the ultimate goal is to get back to unity. There's just this very unique American situation for this subgroup of, of Americans and then a subgroup of Christians. I mean, cr- Christianity is a worldwide thing, but there's um, African-American, black American Christians that have, ex- again, experienced the world different, that have different inputs. In the same way that I would want to understand the Christian who came from a really poor family, or I wanted to understand the better the, the Christian who grew up uh, in a broken home or who was adopted. There is a there's a there. I think there needs to be that it's healthy that there will be a desire that we not ignore the differences in how different social groups grew up that are all trying to be Christians together. We're actually going to be able to be unified if we understand each other better. There might be some people that are trying to drive these conversations to cause division. I know that that's not my goal. I know that I don't believe that's the heart of Matt Chandler 
or Russell Moore or David Platt. I don't think that's the heart. The heart is we know that there is a division that already exists. We're not exasperating it. We actually just want to bring it up, bring it to the front, and say, all right, let's talk. Let's figure out how how can we get past this division that takes place by the fact that we don't quite understand one another and, and from where we come. Now, another clip from this Todd Field episode where, uh, from Wretched Radio, Wretched.org, where he starts talking about the motivations. So here are these people talking about social justice and, and having this role in the culture and dealing with some of these race and gender issues. What is the motivation maybe behind these? And I want to give him a chance to speak for himself on what he thinks some of the motivation might be. And where it's leading, because this is not really about the issue of racism and sexism. It's uh, it's about division. Because if we can divide the evangelical church, then what do you do? You divide the evangelical voting block. Now, that is not a conspiracy theory. And if anyone else would have said it, I would call it a conspiracy theory. But Todd feels a smart guy. Uh, and he he is probably doing some work and some research that's going to find some some money changing hands, supporting certain groups that are involved in these social things. Now, I I would say whether or not that's true, whether or not there are some for, forces out there that are supporting these discussions and conversations about race and uh, and how women are treated and how how women have been treated in the past, that doesn't make it any less right or wrong. So the some bad people might be involved on one side, but bad people being involved on one side won't actually change what's true and what's false. And, and now granted, unless I see some evidence, I don't believe that. I don't believe there's some nefarious group out there that's trying to divide evangelicals so that they can win elections. And that might be the case, in, in which case I just I got to come back to, okay, I I can't care first about election outcomes. I can't even care first or second about people that are trying to manipulate election outcomes. I just have to care about what's right, what's wrong, what's true, what's false, what's biblical, and not biblical. So maybe there are those with that motivation. I know that I am not there, and I know that the folks I think most associated with talking about these things in the Southern Baptist Convention, in the Gospel Coalition, Coalition, we tend to be the more non-political. Now, you, you listen to this show, I get into politics a ton, but... I'm the guy that gets in trouble and gets people mad for talking about kingdom first. That I, I, I am a kingdom person, a kingdom of God person, not an American. I'm way down the line an American, and so that's just not for the parts of this these folks that like me that want to talk about these issues that thinks Christians have a role in talking about sexism and racism. The motivation is not anything political at all. Voting block. I have zero interest in politics. But it sure does seem that is what is behind this movement. If God's way upsets our political alliances, let's crucify our political alliances. And Friel played there a clip from Russell Moore. He is Russell Moore runs the public policy arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. I don't know why he played him there. The thing that Russell Moore said there in a, a sermon-type setting is just true. If our our American temporal political alliances, if they don't align with Scripture, sacrifice your political alliances. Crucify them. Who needs them? We're not from here. We're kingdom of God people. 
if our kingdom of God loyalty costs us elections, or I don't even know what us means, costs Republicans elections, costs conservatives elections, okay. I don't live for that. So I get the motivation in playing Russell Moore there is to say, well, this is really about trying to divide evangelicals from voting conservative. If someone has that motive out there, okay. I mean, prove that to me. I'm willing to hear I genuinely am willing to hear it. I won't. That doesn't change anything. I won't care that that might be what's going on because, again, it's about right and wrong, true and false, biblical and unbiblical. And if it costs elections going away that I might not like, all right, whatever. That's a really temporal thing that I'm less concerned about. Now I'm going to pick that clip back up from right where Todd Friel was playing the sermon from Dr. Russell Moore. If God's way upsets our political alliances, let's crucify our political alliances. Well, that would be swell if you were speaking to a group of progressive liberals. But Yes, it would be swell. It is also swell to be teaching that lesson to Republicans, without question. This should not even be controversial. Neither of the Amer- the two public or the, the two American political parties are representing the values of the kingdom of God all that well. And right now, I, I can't worry about the folks who are so wrong that they've got they've so messed up the gospel and so messed their messed up their theology that they've gone left leaning. I guess I can't worry about them, and I do on the show often. But we've seen since the phenomenon of what's going on politically right now. We've seen that there's a problem inside American Christianity where they are unwilling if the where they are unwilling to jettison their temporal American interest to have fidelity to Christian doctrine and how we're supposed to think about leadership. And so you're talking about an audience, Russell Moore's audience being primarily Southern Baptist, that's just speaking prophetically to people who have gotten their loyalties messed up. That was speaking, not foretelling, but forthtelling, speaking prophetically into Christians who have got their loyalties all messed up. They are really, really American, and somewhere else down the line comes their loyalty to the kingdom of God. I I have no problem with what what Russell Moore said there. And it would it would have been relevant to a bunch of Christians who said they were supporting Barack Obama. It's also relevant in a room and to an audience that seems really loyalty, like their top loyalty in life is to this current president. That's what you want from an Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission person. That's outside of the issues of race or sexism or anything else you might be mad about in, in terms of social justice. That's just a good word for Christians to hear that, your solution's not going to be a political one, so your political alliances need to be crucified on the altar, or sacrificed on the altar of just good theology. Having, having our number one loyalty be to Scripture and not to any political alliance. What does he ask? That's Russell Moore. What is he asking for there? Seems to me, if race supersedes any other social issue, including abortion, then it is okay for you to vote Democrat. Yeah, I don't think that's fair at all. And if it were anybody but, again, I I don't want to at all beat up on Todd Fuel today because he is excellent. If you are not listening to him, what are you doing? How, why are you listening to me right now? You should be listening to him. He's The guy's great. I don't think that's fair to Russell Moore at all. That was not saying if... Uh, if if the if the Republican Party isn't 
isn't lining up on trying to do something about racial disparity, then you should vote Democrat. Th- that was not what he said. That was not what Russell Moore said. What Russell Moore is saying there, that if you have a political alliance that is contrary to Scripture, then kill the political alliance. You know that when I first time I heard Russell Moore say that, because I was watching it, I think, online live. If not live, I watched a video of it later. He was giving Christians the permission, if you have a political alliance, if you can't find a political alliance that aligns with biblical interests, you don't have to participate. You don't have to vote. And so I chose to vote you know, third party in the 2016 presidential election. Russell Moore is not saying there, go vote for Democrats. I don't, I don't think Phil meant to, but that's not fair. That was not a fair interpretation of what Russell Moore said there. And so let's not do that to each other either. This this idea of social justice coming through the church is not a group of people saying, well, you know what we need to do is go vote Democrat. No, that's a terrible idea. Let me go on record. That's a horrendous idea. Don't go vote for Democrats. That's a whole different set of problems in Republicans, but still some problems with, with both of those things. And so if you're trying to use that part of Russell Moore's presentation there to say that this is primarily about political division to put secular progressive liberals in power, I think you got to find a better case because that that thing from Russell Moore, that does not make that case. Now, do I believe that a guy like David Platt, J.D. Greer, or Matt Chandler are sitting in a smoke-filled room with their, with a, a glass of whiskey in it. You can hardly see each other through the cigar smoke going, Mwahaha! Here's how we get Hillary elected. No, I don't think so at all. I wish I was good at this as Todd Fuhrer was. That's a good... He's He makes a good point, and he did it very skillfully there. And so, at least there there's a ton of honesty there. He, he's not saying that uh, David Platt, who is you know, author of Radical used to run the International Mission Board, now pastor of McLean Bible Church up in Virginia, J.D. Greer, who now may pastor Summit Church in Raleigh, but also the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, Matt Chandler, who's probably the most prominent voice in the Southern Baptist Convention right now, the most followers, most downloads, I think the most gifted communicator inside Christianity right now, that they're not doing it on purpose. They're not trying to promote (laughs) liberalism on purpose, but they are accidentally promoting it. I don't think that's true either. I don't think any of those guys are particularly political. They are they are doing what I just I said we were trying to do earlier. It's not about social activism for a political end. It's about social activism and understanding to break down walls and hopefully create some more unity in the end. I don't know that we're doing a good job of it. The intention might be there and the, and the execution just be a total failure. That's a possibility. Uh, but I, I don't think he's got enough there to really lay this out as politically motivated. And I highly appreciate his willingness to say, here, it's it's not these guys. So for the other broadcasters and Christian media and for the internet that's attacking the people, stop. For real, it was straight up. The ideas are bad. He just thinks that the leadership and some of the people are being deceived by bad ideas. Now, also Freel did bring up some specific tweets, statements, articles by leaders inside evangelicalism that I'll admit I found troubling too, at least some of them. Uh, But I want to go through them one by one to try to clarify some of these. Uh, So in this controversy on whether or not the SBC, the Gospel Coalition, is getting off the rails and focusing on the wrong things, 
here are some tweets that Todd Field found to make his case that the answer is yes. The SBC and TGC are going off the rails. I've got some tweets. Again, I'm not accusing these people of anything. Uh, they just they just happen to be sharing ideas that are bad, that are connected to critical race theory. Jen Wilkin, as go our seminaries, so go our churches. It's past time for a full reevaluation of existing power structures and for the strategic implementation of formal channels of influence, input leadership for women in the SBC. I also find that disturbing, that language about full reevaluation. Not, not really. We don't really need that. We've actually done a pretty good job of that. Now, that one tweet, he's got a whole bunch more coming that we're going to cover when we come back from this break. I'm not. I, I've all, I've been troubled by Jen Wilkin for a bunch of other things, not just this one. Uh, but what I'm, you know, what we'll make it another teaser. These tweets are going to have some things in them that I I don't like, but they don't find they don't find me getting so troubled that I think there's a a big problem theologically coming up in the SBC. We're going to get back to those tweets and statements when we come back for the rest of the Corey Truax Show. Welcome back for the final segment of the Corey Act Show. Glad you have stuck with us. We are taking the day to respond to some genuine criticism, some criticism that at least deserves some time. Uh, there's There's been some folks concerned that the Gospel Coalition and the Southern Baptist Church, both organizations are, are things that I, I identify with, and our church, Beachwood Church, is associated with both. I mean, I even work for Southern Baptist University. Uh, I... I care when these kind of criticisms come up. And the criticism is that you're just caring about too many other things. You're you're being influenced by worldly ideas and not just sticking to the gospel. And we're using Todd Field, brilliant guy, a talented guy who obviously is a, a brother, uh, who I think I'm, I'm seeing this differently than he's seeing it, but he has been the most fair in criticizing the Southern Baptist Conventions and the TGC, the Gospel Coalition's involvement in social things, and racial reconciliation, and, and dealing with sexism in the culture, and all those things. And right now, he has a list of tweets and quotes to address, and so I'm going to continue to play from his show some things he finds troubling, because I do want to respond to them when they come up. We just played Jen Wilkin, who did say something troubling. She said something tru- troubling like needing to tear down previous structures. And that's not true. We don't need to do that. The structures in place, especially for leadership, they're fine. And so I, I would just call her out and say, hey, you've got that one thing wrong. But there's plenty more to get through. And so here we go from more of Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This from Jonathan Merritt. A woman can be the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. I don't see anything in the Bible that prohibits that. This is from Russell Moore. There would be no Southern Baptist Convention without Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong. We desperately need a resurgence of women's voices and women's leadership, and women's empowerment, again, it's way past time. All right, real quick. On the Southern Baptist Convention having a woman president, that is a discussion that is probably coming our way, that we're going to have to say something about that. My position is no. I think the majority of Southern Baptists would be with me on that, and it's just for this reason. When you are the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, you are often invited to preach at places, like a lot. There are a lot of Sundays that you're supposed to be out and about, another Southern Baptist church is preaching, and it is the Southern Baptist, I think, biblical interpretation of the role of women in the church is there's not a place for that. Uh, there's a ton of 
honor, we believe in complementarianism in the Southern Baptist Convention. We even wrote it down as part of our doctrinal statement uh, that there's different roles for men and women. We're both equal in honor, but distinct in roles. So that's one of the reasons. And then it is traditional for the Southern Baptist Convention president to preach at the annual meeting in a room full of Southern Baptists. So no, I, I wouldn't be okay with that. Uh, but So for the, whoever said that, Jonathan Merritt, I would say to him, now you're I think you've got that one wrong. We can have some adiaphora. Uh, how do you use that? Adiaphora? I can't remember. Which is, by the way, a resource at Wretched. You can get that. Uh, Christian Liberty. How to disagree in a way that's healthy. Uh, with Wretched Radio, those guys over there. But anyway, uh, the next one from Russell Moore. There's no problem with that. He's true. It's just right. There wouldn't be a Southern Baptist Convention without Lottie Moon. I mean, there's that's just true. And we, we should hear from the women of the Southern Baptist Convention. Get different perspectives. So there's not a problem there, and I don't think it connects to a secular idea. It's just true. That's a good measurement for a lot of these statements. If you're worried about something your leadership is saying, just can you start with this? Hey, is it true? Is it right? Not is it associated with a movement I don't like, but is it true? Is it an actual accurate statement? Here is more of Wretched Radio. S time. What does that mean? What does what, what this mean? Russell, if it means what it seems to mean, then you need to step down and you need to give your position to a black woman. Again, with the, I don't think that's fair. I think he did that with Russell Moore earlier with that sermon saying, well, that means you can vote for a Democrat. That's not what he said. It says you cannot participate. It says you just choose your theological alliance over your political alliance. I think this is also not fair. The fact that Russell Moore says we need to hear from women more doesn't mean he needs to give up his job and give it to a woman. I don't think that's a fair criticism of that tweet. J.D. Greer, president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Thank you, Beth. Hoping that we are entering a new era where we can, where we in the complementarian world take all the word of God seriously. Not just the parts about distinction of roles, but also the tearing down of all hierarchy and his gracious distribution of gifts to all his children. Now, Friel asks then, does this language of tearing down of all hierarchy, you know, do, do you hear that that theme? Because that's a big part of the social justice world is tearing down all the structures and systems. So let me say, yeah, for one, I am not a fan of that language J.D. Greer used there. I wish he would not have used that language. I think you need more than just this one statement. To, and, and there might be more. You might make the case more fully. You need more than this one statement to say, well, what he means by that is the critical race theory, uh, social justice, that, that's what he means by that. Because the bottom line is there are some things inside of American Christianity that, that probably do need to be torn down. Like, that language by itself is not objectively bad language. Sometimes we set up structures and rules and things that aren't biblical. They're extra biblical. They were cultural. And sometimes those things need to get thrown down. Now, in the context of that tweet, I didn't like it. Uh, not, a, not a fan of how... Greer communicated what I think he was trying to communicate there. But just because the language gets used doesn't mean that the context is in a, in a world of social justice. Now, it's something to be careful of. I think that's fair. If Real says, hey, I want you to be careful of this, great. Uh, be, be precise with our language. But I don't think it's enough to say, well, see, well, you see, J.D. Greer's part of the social justice movement because he has this tweet where he said that, you know, these tearing down of structures, it's a case, it's the start of a case, but it is certainly not a complete one. Daniel Aiken, President, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. 
Biblical complementarians believe they are called to servant leadership. They'll sacrificially love their sisters in Christ, honor them, protect them, listen to them, empower them. Empower them? What is What kind of language is that? It's fairly normal language. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dispute that, yes, that kind of language, uh, empowering groups that have not been empowered, happens inside social justice worlds. It's also fairly normal language. Just because the social justice people use it doesn't mean they have a monopoly on it. They don't get to own that language. So whereas with the J.D. Greer thing about tearing down of structures, I think it needs to be more precise and be more careful. I'm not troubled at all by the Daniel Lakin statement right there, and I don't think it's, again, enough, even all of these tweets together, to show a pattern of social justice thinking, bad bad theology is is wiggling its way or wriggling its way into the Southern Baptist Convention's leadership. Uh, that That's critical race language. That's Friel coming in from that quote saying it's critical race language. Uh, I guess it can be. They, that's language they might use, but not exclusively them. It's The idea of empowering is not something that they can just have for themselves. They can't have that language and they have a monopoly on those words. Russell Moore, I would not be in ministry today if it were not for Beth Moore. We will never forget that, and I pray one day to live up to her example. What's the problem with that? I mean, the only problem is Beth Moore is not a great example. Uh, so, I mean, I would, I would want to differ with my brother Russell Moore on living up to her example. But that's, there's no social justice in that. There, there's no critical race theory in that. That's just uh, someone saying a nice thing about another person. There, there, I don't even know why that tweet was included in this. Like that's what, what he's making here is a case. He's building his case that this type of thinking outside, it's not biblical theology, it's a worldly philosophy, has made its way in. I don't think that tweet helps to make that case at all. This is Ray Ortland. Moses renounced his social privilege, choosing to be mistreated with God's people. <laughs> he didn't just decry his privilege. He crossed the line and left it behind, identifying with outsiders, and the Bible calls that saving faith. <laughs> okay, so no, Ray Ortland is wrong on that. So this, where this language is maybe more clearly aligned with the social justice folks, I would just say to Ray Yortland on this one thing. Okay, so that that's not what the Bible calls saving faith. If we're trying to make a uh, if we're trying to make a case that there's this larger philosophical influence happening from a worldly secular damaging philosophy, what Ray Yortland said here is not good. Ray Yortland has some other things out there that makes me think he could be problematic. Like he he talks about the woke language in the way that the world talks about the quote woke language. So may, maybe there is something there with Ray Yortland. There. I don't doubt that there are people that are going to take this too far, to take the idea of the Christian, the church, has a role in, in addressing social, uh, social issues. I don't doubt that someone's going to take this too far. They're going to go beyond the, the biblical standards and get into something secular. Ray Ortland might be that. But again, in, inside of evangelicalism at large, when you're, trying to, when you're trying to say that, the Southern Baptist Convention, the Gospel Coalition, Nine Marks, Acts 29, that these all of these places are on the precipice of falling into some kind of massive liberalism or, getting, go, or going away from good theology. This quote by Ray Ortland is troublesome, but it doesn't go to the larger case all that well. <laughs> okay. Um, it does? No, no, it's not what saving faith is. But do you hear the language? Oh, Renouncing privilege, tearing down structures, rewriting leadership roles. This is Ed Stetzer. 
Ever notice that people yelling, just preach the gospel, don't worry about social justice, did not, ha- did not have ancestors who were enslaved? Or is that just me? It's, I don't know if that's helpful language from Ed Stetzer, but it is accurate language. The subgroup of Christianity that would say to someone like me, all we do is talk Jesus. All we do is talk the gospel. If you get involved in anything outside of that, you are wasting your time. And that group is primarily a subset of Christianity that's primarily white, sometimes a little older. And so what Stetzer said there is probably not helpful to the discourse, but it is, I've noticed, fairly accurate. You know, part of this, I can't help but wonder, this is this is a freebie. You can do with this as you see fit. I, I truly wonder how much of this is southern and northern. Some of this is driven. The segregated south is different than the integrated north. I grew up in the integrated north. We thought the Civil War was a good thing because it freed black people from the chains. The the, the South, now I, I, I grant you, it can be a state's rights issue for some people, um, but the South will rise again is a, 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 and, and, and the segregation idea really did emanate from the South far more than the North. And some of us are looking at this and going, what's going on? It's a good insight. He's right there. That this, uh, that these issues, these inequities, trying to come alongside somebody who's either outside the faith or even someone who's a fellow believer and and understand where they're coming from, because we think that's part of loving each other well. We, we believe that part of the one another's as we love each other as be, as believers and just human beings. One helpful thing is to know context. Context and experience doesn't supersede truth. But it does help in communicating with one another. And yes, so it's it's true. He makes a good point there that that is going to be more stark. The differences in, let's if you go white black or you can go with a lot of other cultural things, it's gonna be it's going to be more stark in different contexts. And the racial portion in the South, yeah, it is going to be uh, something that maybe someone with a northern context is gonna have trouble understanding. We are running out of time. There's at least two more quotes that Friel used to try to make this case that the social justice is is making its way into some evangelical circles. I, I want to try to get to at least these two more quotes. This is from Paul David Tripp. The gospel that I have held so dear has been in reality a truncated and incomplete gospel. And he wrote in my confession toward a more balanced gospel that social justice needs to be involved in the gospel. I don't know what that means or what it looks like. And maybe we've done a bad job of trying to help explain what that means and what it looks like. For my best and right now short version, that the primary goal of the Christian is without question getting the gospel to people who have not heard it. The real, uh, genuine gospel, the, the, the biblical story of Jesus and how we are reconciled to God. And along with that, one thing, one of the outgrowths of the gospel in us and sharing it with others will be trying to correct inequities where they exist, trying to uh, trying to un- trying to understand, trying to tear down walls of separation when it comes to communication. These are all towards the end of the gospel. There are likely some. There are let's take out the likely. There are some who will not do this correctly. It's not their first goal is not the gospel. Their first goal is something social. It's something outside of gospel ministry. I'll do my best to try to correct those people. There might they might be more likely to listen to me because I'm coming from more quote their side of this discussion. 
but f- to go the other direction and say there's just no place for social justice or trying to do good deeds in the culture, I, I can't get on board with that. We've got to tr- try to find s- some kind of balance here. I think one- time for one more quote. What it looks like. Kyle Howard, this is where it's at. White evangelicalism, if it wants to become a true ally to black community, it must begin investing financial resources owed back into it. All right, for that one, we just 100% no. He said that that person, Kyle Howard, I don't even know who that is. He he actually does articulate there a goal that's not his first goal wasn't the gospel. He says if if the goal of the evangelical white church is to be an ally, well that's not our primary goal. That's not what we're doing here, man. So if if the advice you're about to give us is about being an ally, well I, you can tell me how our gospel work might result in that and I'm I'm willing to listen. But we're not waking up in the morning and deciding how we're going to be an ally with an actually oppressed group or a, or a group that feels oppressed. That's not going to be the number one goal. All of these things are outworkings of growing in sanctification and growing in the gospel. We are basically out of time, so let me try to give a, a summary of this, and we might do it more on the podcast. I am concerned with the, the unity portion of this. I think it maybe through communication problems, the goal of those wanting to do social justice and those that would say, don't be involved in this, it comes from a bad place, the ideas are destructive, we might be talking past each other, we might be using terms and the other one doesn't know what they mean, or we're using the same term, we're using the social justice term, but both sides are using the same term, but using definitions for it. And so as we discuss this amongst each other and amongst brothers and sisters, let's let's have some grace, let's represent each other's positions with accurate with accuracy, honesty as we talk with one another, Try to understand what the person who disagrees with you is actually thinking. But for my summation, there should not be a problem for the Christian that while doing gospel work as the primary thing, that one of the consequences of that, one of the strategies that might be enacted, is trying to address inequities and injustices where they exist. If you want to continue this conversation, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, look for me, Corey Truex. You'll find me there. I will try to continue this this conversation over on the podcast version on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, or coretruax.com. So uh, we'll be back with another new edition of the show next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love.